Commissioner Griffin? Here. Commissioner Hallisey? Here. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Here. Commissioner Louie? Here. Commissioner Mazzola? Here. Okay. The San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We honor the Ramatish Ohlone peoples for their enduring commitment to Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As stewards of parkland, we recognize our duty to honor the Ohlone through thoughtful and informed preservation and interpretation of ancestral land. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as first peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community. Please note that due to the COVID-19 health emergency and to protect board members, city employees, and the public, the meeting rooms at City Hall are closed. However, commissioners are participating in this meeting remotely at the same extent as if they were physically present. We ask listeners to turn down your televisions and or computers while listening on the phone. We ask for your patience if we experience any technical issues. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone by calling 415-655-0001 and the access code is 2487-935-5457. When you hear the agenda item you would like to comment on called dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. You will be lined up in the system in the order you dial star three. While you are waiting, the system will be silent. The system will notify you when you are in line and waiting. All callers will remain on mute until their line is open. Everyone must account for the time delays and speaking discrepancies between live coverage and streaming. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in either of the following ways. By emailing recpark.commission at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be included in the legislative file as part of the matter. Written comments may also be sent via the U.S. Postal Service to San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission, 501 Stanion Street, San Francisco, California, 94117. Please note that this commission meeting is recorded and will be available on sfgovtv.org. Before we get started, I just wanted to announce one more time that we will be taking today's agenda out of order. Item eight, the budget will be heard after the consent calendar and before item seven, the San Francisco Zoo. We are now on item two, continuation of remote meetings. Item two is continuation of remote meetings. Uh, all right, uh, this is, sorry, I thought the president's report was first. Uh, discussion and possible action to adopt a resolution making findings pursuant to AB 361 to allow for continued remote meetings due to COVID-19. Uh, so the action would be a resolution to authorize continuing. Is that correct, Ashley? Yeah, we just do this every month to make the remote meetings possible. So we can just probably do roll call or, or sorry, someone make entertain a, We'd entertain a motion. Yeah. Is there a motion? A been moved. Is there a second? Second. There's a second. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Do you want to roll call, Ashley? I think that was unanimous. It's, it's fine. We can roll call. All right. Thank you very much. Um. All right. Oh, well, sorry. We should take public comment on that. So let me just 
just double check. Yeah. Um, is there anyone on the line who would like to comment on item number two, continuation of remote meetings? You can dial star three to be added to the queue. Maria, does anyone have their hand raised? There are no callers in the queue. Okay, seeing no callers, public comment is closed. All right, um, before we start, we're on item three, the president's report. Um, Maria, if you see uh, in our attendee list, um, a Leo. Lee. Leo Lee, if you could make him a presenter. Yes, I see him, I'll make him a presenter now. Thank you, right. item two, president's report. Oh, and I'm um, sorry. Yes, that's it. Yes, thank you, yeah. go ahead. Thank you very much. Uh, well, before we, we talk to Mr. Lee, uh, I want to welcome uh, Steve Szymowski to the meeting. Steve is the most veteran park service manager in the Park and Open Space Division, and he retired recently after 24 years with the department. So on behalf of the commission, I want to extend uh, congratulations and a great debt of gratitude. The commission will be sending him a resolution honoring his service, but uh, Steve, thank you very much for all you've done for the parks. Uh, welcome, Leo Lee. Uh, Leo is the commission's newest intern, a senior at that great university, the University of San Francisco. Uh, Leo, would you like to say a few words? Hi, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, my name is Leo. Uh, I am a senior student in, in, from USF. I uh, I'm uh, I'm an international student from China. Yeah, I, I chose this internship because uh, I like I'm very interesting about the uh, parks, how the parks developed in San Francisco, and uh, uh, about the whole city plan in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm very excited to join here. Thank you, Leo. Well, welcome aboard. We look forward to uh, working with you and we thank you for picking recreation and parks as your area of interest. Uh, it is with mixed emotions that I remind you that committee meetings will remain virtual for the time being, but all commission meetings after March 7th will happen in City Hall in person. There will still be an opportunity for the public to continue to provide comment remotely if they so choose and all this information can be found on the commission's webpage. And finally, uh, I would like to read a um, email that I received uh, and I thought is worth noting and it's from a chap named Bob Hall. I just wanted to write a quick public comment to the commission to acknowledge some of the great work SFRPD has been doing. These efforts have improved human health during the pandemic and have had a positive effect on biodiversity. Also, the park staff uh, I volunteered alongside have been incredibly devoted, cooperative, and accessible. The following is a list of projects and improvements I'm excited about. The Oak Woodlands, a critical piece of our city's natural heritage. Uh, let's see, nature playgrounds, um, Echo Stewards program, native plantings, and uh, the McLaren Native Plant Garden. Yosemite Creek Daylighting, he's a very active fellow volunteering here. Middle <laughs> Lake, Francisco Park, Balboa Dunes. Please keep up the good work. And as I always say, let the science guide your decision-making. 
Thank you so much, Bob. And that concludes the president's report. Okay, if there's anyone on the call who would like to make a public comment on the president's report, you can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Is there anyone on the line, Maria, with their hand raised? We have no callers in the queue. Seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. All right. Um, Maria, if you could make um, Manu Pradhan a presenter. And I don't think I see, oh, and, and also Steve Sismowski. I know Phil is going to um, acknowledge him. So if you could make Steven Sismowski a presenter. Okay, we are now on item four, the general manager's report. Good morning, commissioners. Gonghei Fa Choi. Happy Lunar New Year. Happy Black History Month. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Leo. Welcome. And hello, Steve Sismowski. I will uh, conclude with a few words about uh, Steve, but Steve will have to show his uh, very handsome face to do that. Um, uh, so I want to start with Black History Month. Uh, this month, we're celebrating Black history with a number of events in our parks, including the following. A free community event at the Eco Center at Heron's Head, celebrating Black history, excellence, health and wellness. Uh, Black history, excellence, and health and wellness this Saturday, February 19th, uh, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, participants will enjoy a mural painting workshop under the guidance of renowned artist uh, Malik uh, Senefru, guided exercise, hair product making, and barber cuts, nature activities, and more. So we're really excited. This is all part of our India Basin initiative to welcome everybody uh, for a Black History Month celebration to Heron's Head. And then we are also hosting a Black History Month celebration at Minnie and Lovey Ward Rec Center, also this Saturday from noon to 2 p.m hosted by Invest Black SF, the OMI Community Collaborative, the OMI Cultural Participation Project, and Reckon Park, featuring music, performances, food, cultural activities, and more. And then the first annual District 10 Black History Month and Lunar New Year celebration in Visitation Valley will occur on Saturday, February 26th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m featuring performances, resource tables, and activities along Leland Avenue and at the Viz Valley Greenway and Viz Valley Playground. This event is hosted by Supervisor Shimon Walton and a number of community organizations and city agencies, including Rec and Park. Um, back to Lunar New Year, the annual Chinese New Year parade is this Saturday night. The parade route winds through downtown and Chinatown with several of our parks, including Union Square, St. Mary's Square, and Portsmouth Square serving as prime viewing spots along the way. Be sure to check out the parade as well as the Chinese Chamber of Commerce's public art project, Tiger on Parade, consisting of six life-size tigers displayed around the city, including one in Union Square and one next to Civic Center Plaza at the Asian Art Museum. Uh, in honor of Black History Month and the culmination of over two years worth of work, the India Basin Waterfront Park Project partners, including the Trust for Public Land, the San Francisco Parks Alliance, uh, and the A. Philip Randolph Institute, uh, in 
close collaboration with the Bayview Hunters Point community recently shared, uh, we recently published and shared with you the project's equitable development plan. Hopefully, commissioners, you've had a chance to take a look at this really important uh, and uh, uh, national best practice document. Uh, this landmark plan, which is a first for San Francisco, uh, and at least San Francisco parks, is a roadmap and a guide that works to ensure current Bayview Hunters Point residents benefit as we build the city's next great park while preserving the culture and identity of this, this historic neighborhood. It provides a blueprint for delivering a park designed by and for the community while improving economic opportunity and environmental health for its residents. As I noted, the EDP is the culmination of nearly two years of a community-driven process to preserve the rich culture, identity, and pride within the Bayview Hunters Point to ensure that the investment to transform the India Basin waterfront uplifts the community beyond its park boundaries and strengthens and uh, stabilizes uh, the existing community. It's a major milestone for us all. And on behalf of our project partners, I wanna express my sincerest gratitude to the Equitable Development Leadership Committee, the Bayview Hunters Point Community, the Equitable Development Working Group, and the San Francisco State uh, University Advisors for their tireless effort and advocacy to, sh to shape the future of this park. And I really want to thank this commission going back to the acquisition of 900 Innis many years ago and for your ongoing support and investment uh, and caring uh, about this project uh, and the Bayview generally. Um, uh, the real work uh, now begins, uh, in fact, has already started as we shift our focus towards implementing the plan. And just a couple of highlights right out of the gate on implementation, we will be um, hosting and convening in partnership with the YMCA a Learn to Swim program um, for Bayview kids and families uh, that begins in April at MLK Pool. Our first cohort will include over 100 kids because after all, we are building a waterfront park. And the second piece of this is a uh, workforce development and training academy uh, that will be at APRI and on-site at India Basin Shoreline uh, Project to make sure uh, that the contractors and subcontractors ultimately selected to do construction at 900 Innis have an ample pool of uh, local trained workers to choose from. So just two uh, of our many equitable development plan projects right out of the gate. Um, as the Winter Olympics is in uh, full swing and there is no swimming in the Winter Olympics, uh, <laughs> uh, the non- Frozen Rossi pool certainly deserves a gold medal. Really working that pun hard, Elton Pond. Um, last Saturday, swimmers across the city welcomed back one of San Francisco's most beloved aquatic facilities as we celebrated the reopening of Rossi Pool with a free community swim day. Uh, the complete makeover of the pool building includes upgrades to its plumbing, mechanical and electrical systems, improved air quality and heating, a new roof, a remodel of its lobby and locker rooms to meet current ADA standards and the needs of modern swimmers. The renovation also included a new pool deck, pool shell lining, and equipment. In the surrounding park, the project also included a refurbished baseball backstop and cage, and the tennis courts were resurfaced and outfitted with new equipment. Uh, new landscaping and irrigation were also part of the improvements. Rossi Pool is a beloved treasure, a place where countless San Franciscans have learned to swim, including, I believe, at least one commissioner on this call, uh, where people have found joy in the water, tested their skills through competition. 
The renovation ensures future generations will create lasting memories at Rossi and a special shout out to commissioners uh, Griffin and Louie for being our uh, guest stars in our Rossi pool welcome video. Uh, they have been nominated for Oscars for their incredible performance during the filming of that movie. And uh, they did just a terrific job. Um, this past Monday was Valentine's Day. So uh, we were able to celebrate food lovers looking to embrace new offerings in the heart of Civic Center Plaza. Uh, as we reopened uh, the cafe by the Civic Center Playgrounds under a new name, uh, Assembly Cafe and Beer Garden. The cafe is located, as many people know, on the southeast corner of Civic Center, just steps from City Hall. Uh, workers, local residents, tourists, and families will find high quality fare with outdoor seating and plenty of options, including food and beverages from local purveyors such as Sight Glass Coffee, Panorama Baking, Anchor Steam Beer, and more. And uh, this space was just one of the many treasures uh, that Steve Szymowski stewarded, and I will get to him uh, a bit later, uh, but yet another feather in Steve Szymowski's cap for his excellent stewardship of the site. And we are so pleased after nearly a two-year hiatus because of the pandemic uh, to reopen this beloved cafe. Uh, it will be open weekdays from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the fall and winter and 7.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. in the spring and summer. And then it will extend its hours for special events uh, as programmed at Civic Center Plaza. Um, quick announcement about job fairs that probably should have gone in with some of the other events we were just discussing, but in partnership with District 10 Supervisor Shimon Walton, we invite everybody to join Rec and Park and a host of other city agencies and community organizations for two upcoming job fairs in District 10, February 26th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Potrero Hill Rec Center, and then March 5th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Little Hollywood Park. Employers include Rec Park, SFO, the Sheriff's Department, Fire Department, Police Department, HSA, SFUSD, the JCC of San Francisco, Every Woman, and more. Uh, so lots of organizations uh, hiring uh, from our parks. Uh, visit sfrecpark.org backslash jobs for more information. Uh, moving across town to the marina. The San Francisco Marina Yacht Harbor will be receiving the Harbor Achievement Award from the Pacific Coast Congress of Harbor Masters and Port Managers this April. This recognition is awarded only to one marina or harbor each year for the North American West Coast from Alaska all the way to San Diego, recognizing its dedication to the environment and community. This award is truly a credit to the Marina staff and the many volunteers who participate with the numerous beach cleanups and other related events and keeping our SF Bay waters clean with over 4,000 miles of North American coastline full of ports and marinas. It truly is a very distinct honor to receive this award. So I wanna congratulate our Harbor Master Scott Grindy and his entire team. Scott will also be receiving an individual commitment award for his truly outstanding work. Um, I hope you all realize this, and I hope the public knows in Scott Grindy, we really do have one of America's best harbor masters, and we are uh, really blessed and excited to have him on board with us. So congrats to Scott and the Marina staff, both past and present, who made these achievements possible. They're really well deserved. 
Um, lastly, commissioners, and I see Steve on the call and uh, Steve, uh, this is already gonna make me a, you know, a little melancholy and, and emotional. Uh, it's been a few weeks since you officially retired and perhaps a few more weeks since you unofficially retired, um, but you are uh, here with us today so that we can give you a proper goodbye and thank you for your years of service and dedication to our city. Um, in Steve, commissioners, uh, we have had one of, you know, Rec Park's great park service area managers, and for a long time, uh, in 1998, after a long day as an independent landscaper, Steve was inspired to work for the city while driving through Golden Gate Park. 24 years later, after an accomplished career, Steve retired at the end of January. His retirement really leaves a great vacuum in the department. Uh, but he leaves us with such an impressive legacy of accomplishments from his time with us. He is the most veteran park services manager in the Parks and Open Space Division, uh, and over the years has embraced his role with a deep commitment of delivering ongoing improvements to park landscapes and facilities. His lasting legacy lies within Park Service Area 2. This is one of the largest and most diverse uh, park service areas in our system. It's home to Civic Center Plaza. It's home to Union Square. It's home to parks in the Tenderloin, in Dogpatch, Potrero Hill, Soma, and Western Edition. And it includes historic parks such as Alamo Square. It's hard to believe that Steve was managing all of those. And I think it was hard for Steve uh, <laughs> you know, to, to, to acknowledge that he was managing all of those. Uh, he uh, really, really had a huge portfolio. Uh, his contributions included the improved maintenance and management of the parks in his area, key contributions to a large body of capital work. Um, we have a capital and project team, but they are only as good as the integration and involvement of our operations staff. And Steve really distinguished himself uh, with his role in our capital projects. And, you know, I'm thinking about Margaret Hayward. I'm uh, thinking about uh, South Park, I'm thinking about Bo Decker, I'm thinking about the incredible improvements at Civic Center and many others. Steve really poured his expertise and you know his hands-on experience managing these spaces, but also his his you know expertise as a contractor and really dove into making these spaces, uh, making the design of these spaces uh, work functionally for the public and so that they could be well maintained and stewarded. Steve was really a true manager. Uh, he was always committed to developing process improvements uh, and better maintenance outcomes. He was always looking for ways to improve efficiency. And he's really an out of the box thinker, uh, very innovative, uh, very, we're not gonna just keep doing it because that's the way we've done it. Uh, these efforts have spanned both landscape maintenance and custodial services, which he also managed. One of Steve's greatest qualities uh, was his horticultural, well, and is, his horticultural expertise and vision. Uh, his vision was focused on sustainable and intelligent uh, plantings that are water efficient, climate appropriate, and biodiverse. Uh, Mr. President, you alluded to the kudos that uh, we got from Bob, who volunteers apparently in every park celebrating our biodiversity. And part of that is because of some of the decisions that Steve makes. Uh, he has implemented this vision both in his role in capital projects, but also in his operations-led efforts. 
And, you know, just one example, and perhaps one of the highest profile examples of this demonstrated uh, leadership uh, was the incredible transformation of Alamo Square. This renovation was transformative and is a lasting legacy and achievement for Steve's career at RPD. Through his horticultural expertise and the implementation of several ambitious projects, he's shown that RPD can be a leader in the practice of sustainable horticulture on urban parkland that is as busy and attracts as many tourists as Alamo Square does. It is still a horticultural and sustainable cornerstone for us despite its day-to-day -day traffic. Steve's legacy is gonna live on in RPD in many ways, the staff he's mentored, uh, which includes me, by the way, Steve, the long list of improvements he's made to his parks and the overall contributions to the management of our parks. And, you know, one of the, the things that I'm most proud about in our department is our organizational culture. Um, it is, uh, we have a group of people that are not just de dedicated, but kind and respectful. And Steve's leadership approach is, I guess was Steve, because you're retired now, as graceful and as kind and as thoughtful as, as any who has come before him. Um, and that is a bit of a North Star that I always have looked to even in, you know, troubled or choppy waters on a, on a, on a controversial issue or two. All you need to do is watch Steve do his job and mentor people and, and lead quietly. Um, and you understand leadership. And so Steve, I'm gonna miss you a great deal. Um, you um, have always been there for me. I've really learned a lot from you and I've looked up to you and I'm just very proud to have spent as much time working with you as I've been able to. And I want you to wake up every single day of your retirement um, feeling really good and really proud about the impact you've made on our landscapes and all of the people uh, that work on them that you've touched. So um, uh, my heartfelt congratulations. And yes, uh, we will be delivering a fantastic Rec and Park sign with your name on it in your honor that I hope you display proudly and triggers nothing but um, wonderful, heartfelt, joyous memories. So congrats, Steve. And we'd love for you to play, say a few words. Thank, thank you so much, Phil, for and Commission for all the acknowledgement. Um, as Phil alluded, th this is not my forte. Um, my forte is caring for the land and taking that um, incredibly seriously. Um, at this stage in my life, I'm starting to think about legacy and what. I realize and hold dear is the legacy of all park professionals are the parks and the and the memories. It's not the people. The people come and go. The parks are there. The parks are the legacy that we um, uh, so honorably are entrusted to shepherd um, and in, ensure that they continue to provide enriching and valuable. Um, experiences for the citizens that we serve. Um, just so I don't ramble too much, I, I do want to just say first, thank you, Phil, and the Recreation and Park Commission for this acknowledgement as I venture on to new ways to put the skills I have so fortunate 
so fortunately learned to exercise and use. Um, I want to express my eternal gratitude to the city and county of San Francisco for entrusting me with the awesome responsibilities my position held and to our incredible general manager, Phil Ginsburg, for his visionary leadership. To the entire administrative team of consummate professionals who have provided guidance and support for me to thrive and grow. To the amazing communities and park advocates who managed to always stir up some good trouble, helping the department examine our current practices and explore untapped opportunities. And finally, to the incredible hardworking people, making sure our parks are clean, fun, and exceptionally inspiring. I humbly say thank you. While my work for San Francisco has ended, my work on the planet continues. I will endeavor to always advocate for the protection and preservation of public open spaces, no matter where I go. Um, as many of you know, I'm relocating to Chico and Chico is facing what I truly believe is one of the first waves of uh, climate change refugees and the impact that that is having on stressing the public open spaces and um, meeting the needs of people who have lost everything pose exciting new challenges for me. And um, I hope to do some good work before my time on the planet is done. And I just can't say thank you enough. Thank you, Steve. I have to say on behalf of the commission, uh, you, you, you honor us, but we honor you. And, and for all the work you did, uh, should uh, every employee live to the, up to the standards you have, uh, we'd, we'd be in perfect shape. So thank you for everything. Well, I, just to respond to that, um, I do believe that every employee does. And I, I could not have walked away from this position without believing that the people who have grown under, under our team leadership aren't ready. And they are totally ready to take on the challenges of, that are coming. And Wonderful. You're, you're in great shape. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I ripped. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so touched. Thank you, Steve, so much. And please don't be a stranger. Um, you know, uh, I guess, well, I guess we are still paying you a pension, but, you know, feel free to volunteer anytime you, you're in San Francisco. We are going to miss you. And I wish you and Steve just such a joyous life uh, in Chico uh, and, and keep making jam. And if there's ever an extra, you know, an extra jar. Uh, I, I still enjoy the Meyer lemon one. You got me a, a you made for me a year or two ago. So, um, anyway, I wish you nothing but blessings in, in, in this next chapter of your life. And, uh, Mr. President, that concludes the general manager's report. Thank you very much. All right. If there's any public comment on the general manager's report, you can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Maria, has anyone raised their hand? There are no callers in queue. Okay, seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. 
We're now on item five, general public comment up to 15 minutes. This will, item will be continued to item 13. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission and that do not appear on the agenda. With regard, with respect to agenda items, you will have the opportunity to address the commission when the item is reached in the meeting. If there's anyone here who'd like to comment during public general public comment, you can dial star three. Maria, do we have any hands raised for general public comment? Yes, we have one caller in the queue. Okay, you'll have two minutes to speak and I'll let you know when your time has ended. Caller, you're on the line. Hi, my name is Pam Del Rio. I live at 25th and Harrison. I sent some photos uh, of Garfield Park to Ashley a little earlier today. I'm not sure if you have those. Um, I'm part of the friends group for Garfield Park, and um, it looks great after all the, the work that's been done. Unfortunately, there's some people that use the park that aren't taking care of it, and it's been going on for years. The gamblers who gamble along 25th Street every night, there are food tables, and they pee on the trees constantly, and they leave all their food. We've asked for some garbage cans, additional garbage cans, so they can use them, and we've been told no a number of times. I've tried to send some pictures of that, and um, the garbage cans on the corners are overflowing. Sorry, I'm in the dog park. And um, they need power washing and some additional garbage cans. And on the soccer field, the soccer leagues leave, leave all sorts of messes over the weekend, and I'm hoping that we can get some event garbage cans, those cardboard ones that are used in Dolores Park, just when we know the park's going to be busy to give people some extra options and some options that are closer to where they're eating and drinking. Thank you. Thank you. Um, commissioners, I just sent that email that Pamela was talking about to you. So you have the pictures. Uh, Maria, is there anyone else with their hand raised? No more callers in the queue. Ashley, can you please send to me as well? Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. We are now on item six, the consent calendar. Commissioners? Any comments or questions? And if not, the chair would entertain. Uh, do, you need, do you need public comment first on, on the? Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks. If there's anyone in uh, on the call who would like to comment on the consent calendar, you can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Maria, does anyone have their hand raised? No callers in the queue. Okay, seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. Thank you. The chair would entertain a motion to approve the uh, consent calendar. So moved. Been moved. Is there a second? Second. Been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Oh, I I'm going to call the roll on this. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Buell? Aye. Commissioner Anderson? Aye. Commissioner Griffin? Aye. Commissioner Halsey? Aye. Commissioner Jupiter-Jones? Aye. Commissioner Louie? Aye. Commissioner Mazzola? Aye. Okay. Yes. We are now, uh, as a reminder, we're going to take the agenda out of order. Uh, we are now on item um, eight. So Maria, if you could please make Antonio Guerra, Dana Ketchum, and Tiffany Wong presenters. And we are on item eight, the Recreation and Park Department 
FY22-23 and FY23-24 budget overview. Do you need me to give the presenter ball to anyone in particular? Uh, uh, Antonio, are you going to be presenting? I am going to be presenting, Ashley. So give it to Antonio then. Thanks. Okay, Antonio has it. Fantastic. And I am going to share my screen. And apologies, this is my first time with WebEx. So let me go ahead and see. Okay. Okay, can people see the slides clearly? Yes. Great, thank you. So today we are talking about the Recreation and Park Department proposed budget for fiscal year 22-23 and 23-24. I can't. Uh, there we go. And today's agenda, I'm going to be talking about the budget strategy for the for this process, our principles again, and the outreach we have performed. Uh, I will then go to the proposed revenue budget, expenditure budget, capital budget, and finish with our proposed budget investments for the next two years. Starting off with our strategy principles and outreach. I won't belabor this point, but I wanna go over it again. In developing this two-year budget, we were guided by our five-year strategic plan, our operational plan, our capital plan, as well as our racial equity action plan and equity metrics. And you've seen these budget principles before, but I'd like to go over them a final time. These are what we use to guide the budget development. We made budget choices that over the next 24 months adapt to the COVID-19 public health guidance and which most directly align with the department's strategic plan and commitment to equity. We will continue the essential role parks played during the pandemic by ensuring our spaces remain safe, clean, and accessible. We will preserve programs and services that support equitable park access, recreation, and youth development for high needs families and vulnerable populations. We will honor voter investment in parks and facilities by minimizing cuts to dedicated funding for maintenance. We will uphold our responsibility as environmental stewards. We will pursue new ideas and partnerships that improve service delivery, operational efficiency, and replace earned revenues impacted by COVID-19. And we will continue to support and cultivate a diverse, connected, and engaged workforce that delivers outstanding service. Regarding outreach, we met with members of the public, staff, and other community stakeholders to ensure diverse input was received and incorporated into the development of the budget. On January 5th, we held an all staff brown bag presentation. We held two town hall budget meetings virtually on the 24th and 7th. We plan to go to Prozac known as, or Park, the Park Recreation and Open Space Advisory Committee, also known as Prozac, that will take place in March. Uh, on February 3rd, uh, we went to the Operations Committee. And last month, as well as today, we are in front of you with our proposed budget. I want to start with revenue first because that is the base of the, the next two years and what, what we use to support the expenditures in the budget. Since March 2020, public health guidelines restricted the operation of many tourist sites and food venues and prohibited many activities and services in parks, resulting in a loss of revenue to the department. And the last time I was in front of full commission, I really stressed this point. The last full pre-pandemic fiscal year, total earned in program revenue was $51.8 million. And then two years later, in 2021, which was a full pandemic year, actual earned in program revenue was $29.6 which was a decline of $22.2 million. 
And for this year, I want to look at last year because we are in the current fiscal year 21-22 budget. It's $49 million. We assumed that we were going to receive $59 million in 22-23. We've lowered that after reviewing our projections for all of our earned and program revenues. Uh, so that is $57.4 million. It's still a very healthy $8.4 million increase over the current year, but it's a $1.9 million reduction compared to the base budget. And then in 23-24, we have another $1.3 million increase to $58.7 million. This chart here shows earned and program revenues over the past few years. And what it does a great job of doing is showing how in 1920 and 2021, we built a budget based on an assumed amount of revenue. In the case of 1920, this was, we assumed that uh, this was before we had knowledge there would be a pandemic. Actuals were uh, nearly $13 million lower because of the closures starting in March. In 2021, we assumed 39.9 million, but it turned out to be 29.6. And now we are slowly going back to where we were, 49 million in the current year, 57.4 in the proposed budget in 22-23 and 58.7 in 23-23. And the revenue detail for some of these lines, um, for the most part, we see increases. Uh, special events has gone up to 8.5 million with the assumption that there'll be more events in parks and a true up to the amount received for current special events. And then additionally, we have athletic fields, room and clubhouse rentals going up garages increasing based on uh, additional uh, economic activity downtown, uh, program fees staying roughly close to where we were in 21-22, leases and concessions, a slight increase. Uh, golf goes down only because we will not have a million dollar in lieu fee from the PGA this year, and it's just a slight true up to actuals, and then a slight increase in the marina. Our proposed open space fund revenue, and this is a great graph to look at. As you know, two and a half cents of every hundred dollars of assessed value in San Francisco uh, goes to our open space fund, dedicated revenue source for the department. And you could just see the dramatic growth starting off in 11, 12 at 36 and a half million dollars, all the way to what we are seeing in 22, 23, according to the controller's office, 73.3 million dollars. Followed by, followed by a projection in 23-24 of $77.3 million. So the, the one takeaway from this slide is how important our open space fund has been to this department and ensuring that we've been able to fund our programs at a healthy level. Now, I want to bring the expenditure budget slides into view here. These are basically a summary of the entire budget and uh, in 22-23, we're at $233.1 million. It's $10.2 million less than the previous year's budget. And that's due to uh, a couple of reasons. We received less in capital dollars. Uh, usually last year, in fact, we received um, capital funding for projects like um, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Gateway at Golden Gate Park along Lincoln Avenue. Um, and then additionally for uh, ADA work at Stowe Lake uh, in the mayor's phase and additionally add back. So we tend to have a lower budget when compared to the previous year's budget. And then in 22, uh, 23, general fund support goes down. Once again, it's the same reason. This is our department submission. 
Uh, in fiscal year 23-24, the budget goes up to $240.1 million. And so it's basically a baseline. We assume an additional $3 million of general fund support. And then there's also um, you know, additional open space fund and other types of sources which cause the budget to go up there. Um, two pie charts show fiscal year 22-23 and 23-24 budget by program. As mentioned previously, it's $233.1 million in the first year of the two-year plan. Parks and open space is 45% of the budget, followed by the recreation program at 16%, structural maintenance at 13%, capital and planning at 12%, and then park safety, volunteer services, administration, and the marina and the zoo make up the rest of department spending. And the spending follows a similar trend in the following year. And by account, uh, account is another fancy way of saying exactly what the budget is going to. So in 22-23, salary and fringe make up over half of our budget. And that is personnel. That is people. We pay for people here at the department to deliver our services. The other large uh, slices of the pie are work orders at 14%, 32.3 million. Uh, and work orders are interdepartmental services uh, within the city and county of San Francisco. So this is where you see uh, our water and wastewater work orders with the SFPUC, as well as uh, any type of budget that we might have for uh, other departments like the city attorney's office. Uh, Non-personnel services are 12%. This is the budgets that this is the budget that our uh, our park service area managers and recreation supervisors use to uh, procure goods and services throughout the year. And we also have 10% on uh, capital outlay, which includes our capital baseline as well as other types of capital projects. I wanna go over the proposed capital budget and some of the changes that we've made. So one of the initiatives we have this year is to boost our general fund capital baseline from 13 million to 14 and a half million in 22-23 and 15 million in 23-24. And that $15 million, it gets back to where we were in fiscal year 1920 uh, prior to our earned and program revenues taking a hit. And some of the program highlights include our turf playing fields program, which is 5.2 million in the first year and 3.7 million in 23-24. In a joint effort with the City Fields Foundation, a turf playing field renovation is planned at Crocker Amazon Playground. And irrigation systems, $500,000 ongoing. This will be allocated to the Lincoln Park Recycled Water Project. And then in the ADA program, we're adding an additional $200,000 in year two of the budget when compared to the first year uh, to bolster our ADA work plan. We also have some new one-time capital initiative highlights Proceeda Park restroom, we were allocated $200,000 for uh, to address identified community need for planning design uh, for a new single stall accessible restroom at Proceeda Park, as well as $200,000 at Noe, Town Square, Noe Valley Town Square. And this is for planning and design with community outreach for another new single stall accessible restroom at that location. And then at Kellogg Velasco, additional $100,000 to complete planning and design with community, community outreach for a new accessible outdoor fitness court to complement the existing amenities on site. Finally, we have a request for additional funding from the city's capital planning committee for the following projects. Uh, we've 
requested $1.8 million for ADA work at Harding Park to increase accessibility. And then additionally, uh, we've requested $6 million for a new roof at the Palace of Fine Arts. We have uh, been performing patchwork fixes and uh, the roof is at the end of its useful life. On to our proposed budget investments. And these are sorted by mayoral priority. And the first one is restoring vibrancy in San Francisco, including improved public safety and street conditions. We're requesting additional funding from the mayor's office for up to 40 park ranger positions. Full funding of this proposal would right-size public safety staffing for a park system of our size and complexity. One of the things that we're gonna to continue to do is the Park Stop program. It provides clean and safe public toilets, supervised use needle receptacles and dogway stations at 12 sites all located in equity zones. The next priority is recovery of the local economy driven by the return of residents, tourists and office workers to downtown and public spaces, small business and housing production. Uh, we are proposing additional funding for recreation programming. So 1.25 million in 22-23, 2.5 million in 23-24. Uh, it essentially restores funding back to pre-pandemic level in the second year of the budget. We are requesting additional funding equivalent to 5.0 uh, uh, FTE or positions for recreation staff. And so we'd be adding funding for a curator two and curator four Randall Museum director, the Randall. In addition, we have we're gonna submit 3.0 FTE rec specialist positions to bolster athletics. I've already mentioned the increase of the general fund capital baseline, which is one and a half million in the first year and 2 million in the second year. Um, but another big initiative is Golden Gate Park shuttles uh, seven days a week. New service will be added on weekdays and more shuttle service on weekends. All Golden Gate Park guests are welcome to use the shuttle, but it especially benefits people with disabilities, seniors, others with limited mobility, and families with young children to go along the JFK promenade when it's closed to vehicular traffic. The third priority is reprioritization of funding to improve core service delivery. Uh, we are looking to strengthen the capital and planning division in the budget. We want to ensure the delivery of the 2020 health and recovery bond. So a project manager three position is going to be shifted from project work and team supervision to focus solely on management. And then we're bolstering the planning position with three off budget positions. We also have a plan to convert gas powered tools to battery powered leaf blowers. Uh, we have 289 gas powered leaf blowers. Uh, we'd like to replace them with battery powered units, which reduce noise to non-damaging levels and do not release the toxic exhaust emissions of gas powered blowers. Additionally, we are anticipating new positions for Mission Bay Parks in, in anticipation of a potential transfer of former redevelopment project area parcels in Mission Bay, uh, we have determined that 11 new positions would need needed, seven gardeners, one park section supervisor, two custodians, and one custodial assistant supervisor to start May 2023. If the park transfer is approved and staff is hired, the department assumes that we'll receive community facilities district funding to offset the full cost of the new position starting in 23-24. Continuing on with uh, core service delivery initiatives, we are also requesting new positions for 900 Innits and PERS Playground Rec Center. These two sites are scheduled to open in 23-24. And uh, based on an analysis, we are proposing to add two custodians, two gardeners, and one custodial supervisor. We also want to increase the replacement of department, of, department equipment. And we have reduced 
the equipment budget all the way down to $1 million. And it usually got cut even more by the board legislative analyst to less than 1 million. And so we are proposing increased equipment funding to 1.75 million in both years of the budget, which is a $750,000 increase over the base budget. Additionally, we would like to add uh, funding for additional gardeners, one at Sharp Park and one at Golden Gate Park golf courses for those two courses. We would also like to add funding for information technology, a quarter million dollars uh, for non-personnel to fund digital equity initiatives such as connected connectivity at RPD sites and equity zones, software maintenance, operational management of security systems, and people intelligence data solutions. Finally, the last priority is accountability and equity in programming, services, and spending. And for a lot of these, we're already doing this. Requity, we're going to continue this program, which brings free, dynamic engagement and culturally relevant recreation programming to youth under 18 living in shelters, foster care, public housing, or housing developments, assisted by the city through the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. Uh, we will continue Peace Parks, which seeks to promote community wellness and violence prevention and underserved communities. The department will continue the Tennyson Learning Center program, which provides one-on-one -on -one tutoring, parent engagement, tennis instruction, and other support services for a total of 100 underserved elementary students each year. We'll continue equity programming at Mather, including camperships for low-income residents, teen outdoor experience for inner-city youth during the summer, and the senior getaway to Mather program, which provides 55 and better a week-long stay at camp at a discounted rate. Finally, the racial equity action plan. And we will continue to make progress on goals set forth in this plan. With this proposal and memo, the department staff is requesting the Record Park Commission to approve the 22-23 and 23-24 budgets for the department and to authorize the department to submit the proposal to the mayor. And before I uh, ask the commission for questions, I just wanna send a huge heartfelt thanks to all of the staff who have assisted in this budget development and in uh, the admin and finance division, as well as everybody else who assisted throughout the department, but specifically, Tiffany Wong, Alex Chang, Judy Yang, Evelyn On, Tina Sen, Maria Sutton, um, and quite frankly, there are many others in the finance team who aren't speaking right now, but this is a true team effort. And especially considering the fact that we have had a great deal of transition within the department, I'm really, really proud of the work that everyone has done. With that, I am happy to take any questions. Okay, thank you, Antonio. Um, if there's anyone on the line who would like to speak on item eight, the budget, you can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Maria, does anyone have their hand raised? No, there are no callers in the queue. Okay, seeing no callers, public comment is closed. Commissioners. Any comments or questions, commissioners? I had a couple questions. Sure, please, Commissioner Anderson. Um, I was, um, my attention was drawn to many good things, including the addition of a couple of gardeners with respect to the golf courses. Um, I think there's going to be a gardener added to Sharp Park. Is that a wholly new addition to staff there? Is correct. Yes. Okay. And, um, in terms of, there was some, um, uh, commenting on the uh, the special maintenance fees that get collected with respect to the golf courses. I don't know exactly how that works. Could you comment on that a little bit? And are we accumulating some fees and then able to go forward with some projects anytime soon? 
It's a great uh, question, Commissioner. Yes, we have been accumulating fees now. I've asked Dana Ketchum to join us uh, because she can provide additional details on the history of the maintenance fee at the particular golf courses and how we've been tracking it. So I don't know if Dana is with us I, right now. I am. I okay. think <laughs> new system. <laughs> ah, trying my best. Um, so hi, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, yes, as, as some of you will remember, I believe in 2018, uh, we added a maintenance fee at each of the golf courses, um, which is used, it is to be accumulated in a special fund um, and to be used for special maintenance projects. Each course has its own fund uh, for that purpose. And um, if I can figure out how to, I don't think I have permission to share my screen. So can I share my screen, Pat? Uh, Maria, can you give Dana the presenter privileges? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so since we've implemented it, we have accumulated um, money for each golf course. Um, and I believe that this is going to be the right screen. Um, and I just wanted to show the updated balances in these funds. Um, we did update the golf community by letter in July 2021 of the amounts in each fund. And this is the latest current balance. There, sometimes with Lincoln and Sharpie, there's a little bit of a delay, but these are pretty close to the accurate numbers. Our goal with these funds is not to you know, spend them annually on small projects but really to, have accumulate, to accumulate them so we could make significant differences. And the, the numbers that are accumulated are now large enough that we can do those sorts of things. So for instance, repaving work, um, some irrigation improvements. And we are looking forward to engaging with the community at each of these golf courses about what, what's on the big list? Uh, you know, with COVID, we've all been kind of busy with a lot of different things, but now the funds in these accounts are um, something that, you know, can make significant improvements. And, and that's, that's what our goal is. So um, we're moving forward with that. All right, well, thank you very much. Now I gotta figure out how to stop sharing. Ah, there it is. I, I don't have a question, but I would like to just say thank you to Mr. Guerra and Dana and the entire staff that put this budget together. I know budgets are never fun, um, especially when they're constrained. But uh, with that, I'd like to make a motion that we authorize the department to submit the 22-23-23-24 budget to the city. Thank you, Commissioner. Are there any other questions before we get a second to that motion? I don't see the full screen, but I'm going to assume that since I don't no, hear anything. Mr. President, can yes? I just, let me just uh, say just a, oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll defer to Commissioner Louie and then I'll I'll speak before Please. they take the vote. Commissioner Louie. <clears throat> oh, no, I was just pointing out that uh, General Manager Phil, Phil has something to say. Oh, good. Well, then General Manager my comments are short and sweet, which is a big thank you to Antonio and Dina and Antonio's team. There's a lot of work that goes into this process. And 
Uh, I think you all know just how hard of a hit we took over the last two years during the pandemic um, because the things, a third of our budget is our earned revenue and that basically came grinding to a halt during the pandemic. And um, that we are able to bounce back uh, a, you know, we feel lucky and blessed that the city's overall fiscal health is uh, has recovered robustly, but um, what you see today, which involve a number of investments in our parks and in park maintenance and in recreation programs, uh, is really a credit uh, to um, how hard our staff has worked. We got through the pandemic and the lack of revenue um, by, you know, really asking people to do more with less and they did it and they stepped up. So the men and women of this department um, from, you know, custodians to, to electricians and plumbers to park rangers uh, and project managers really um, deserve a tip of the cap for where we sit today. And Antonio's ability with his team uh, to manage really a very, very rocky period in our history and to come out with this budget is nothing short of extraordinary. And uh, Antonio, for your management of this process, you have uh, uh, certainly my deep gratitude and appreciation, uh, but you really should have the gratitude and appreciation of an entire park loving city. Thank you, Mr. General Manager, and thank you, Antonio and the entire staff. We have a, uh, a motion to approve and forward to the board. Is there a second to the motion? Seconded. It's been moved and seconded with the secretary. Please call the roll. Commissioner Buell? Aye. Commissioner Anderson? Aye. Commissioner Griffin? Aye. Commissioner Halsey? Aye. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Aye. Commissioner Louie? Aye. Commissioner Mazzola. Aye. Okay, that's unanimous. Thanks, Antonio. Hopefully you get to your other meeting on time. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, we are now on item seven, um, the San Francisco Zoo. Maria, if you could make Tanya Peterson a presenter, and she's going to, she, she may have slides, I'm not sure. I think she does, yeah, because they sent me something. So yes, please give her the ability to share her screen. Okay, here I am. Thank you. Sorry about that, Ashley. Yeah, I'm I'm getting it uh, down because it's there's a lot of people here, and I'm just trying to get down to Tanya. So, yeah, no worries. Okay, you should have it, Tanya. Okay, so do you see a slide? Do I see a slide? Do you see a share? Not yet, Tanya. Okay, thank you, Ashley. Does that work now? No, I don't see anything yet. Um, wow, this is going to be a test of my share. Okay, here, press share. How about something here? Yes, we can yep. see it. Okay, go. I'm sorry. I'll try to shorten it as I learn this as myself. Uh, well, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, like yourselves, we take the beginning of the year to reassess where we are in demographics, looking at our strategic plans, budgets, and at Joint Zoo this morning, we provided census on the animal uh, population. I thought I'd give an update on the employee population today and some other initiatives. Uh, like uh, Rec and Park, 
Uh, we chose the beginning of the year to review our mission and vision, uh, strategic plans, operating plans in light of the pandemic, uh, and also uh, social justice programs. Uh, we felt our mission still stood the test of time. It's been with us for 10 years now. It's primarily the three C's, connect, care, and conserve. Uh, but what the board felt it should do is now include uh, all persons, so connect all people with wildlife so that they care and conserve. Um, and then uh, just a reminder that we're here to serve all, um, not just a select few, um, but we felt overall our uh, big mission still uh, still holds the test of time. But in light of the pandemic, uh, we did feel that the vision statement that changes generally every three years, I will have to say usually changes with every board chair, but just maybe that's a coincidence. Uh, we, we too are expanding open space, open education, um, our efforts to keep the open space and the outdoor experience in the park, and also emphasize where we are on the coastline, uh, emphasize uh, our animal wellness efforts. We're one of the few zoos in the world with a, a dedicated animal wellness center. That's to make sure uh, we use research to improve the lives of the animals we take care of, and also an emphasis on both human diversity and the biodiversity of the Bay Area. And so with that, we included uh, another core value equality there. Um, we tend to think of our core value as per professionalism, efficiency, resiliency, and respect. Uh, now we add another E, I think per still works. Uh, but these are in every uh, job description, every performance review, and generally how every um, manager here starts a meeting is a reminder of our core values. Um, and, and sort of a status for how uh, our HR team uh, operates. So uh, we also sent out uh, in the beginning of the year, a demographic survey to our employees. It's anonymous and uh, confidential and uh, not mandatory. So, uh, and, you know, I, I'll just say this is all self-reporting, but I think it generally affects where we are. Uh, I'm pleased to report that we're uh, primarily a third, a third, and a third, a third of new employees, third of, uh, you know, middle management, midterm employees, and then those who have been with us over 10 years. Uh, I think it speaks volumes that our average year of service is actually over a decade, and 40, nearly 40% 40 of our employees uh, have been with us uh, over 10 years. Uh, uh, we had quite a few um, hires just on the eve of the pandemic. I'm also proud to say we did not have to lay off any persons due to the pandemic, uh, but we did not fill uh, any positions. And so uh, we too found people uh, doing more than their fair share. Uh, it was difficult to onboard or get uh, some of those newer employees involved in the zoo's mission during the pandemic, especially since we had to work in, in silos. Uh, we were also closed for five months, which hit uh, quite a bit of our operating revenues as well. So I have to thank everybody uh, for chipping in here. Um, and as we look at our demographics, again, it's self-reporting. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, we reflect our community with mo you know 17% of our employees uh, identifying as Asian American. Uh, obviously lower numbers in the Black and Latino communities. 
we have tried to reach out to these communities with partnerships uh, with local charter schools, uh, job shares, job fairs to increase that pool is also provide uh, more work scaffolding. Um, and in spring, we will be offering bilingual uh, free uh, education programs in Spanish and English, again, to attract uh, uh, the Latino American to the uh, San Francisco Zoo. As I mentioned, we had quite a number of new new employees uh, who are uh, the new generation and uh, uh, are more comfortable on things like blogs and portals. So we put quite a, an investment during the pandemic in an employee portal that it, um, it's, it acts almost like real time. It's a reads a little bit like a blog, you know, how to get up to speed on all of this, uh, where we almost could give daily uh, COVID updates, safety trainings, uh, you know, engage people through Zoom on our DA book club. This was led by middle managers so as a way to cross uh, departments and talk about diversity, equity, access, and inclusion, and, and just free discussions on, on culture uh, and where we are and, and ways to connect when we couldn't connect at the coffee stand and the, the water coolers. Again, for uh, three about three months, most people had to work um, just uh, in their own silo uh, without pairing up. Um, and I, I do feel we we suffered for that, but thankfully most people are uh, comfortable with technology and we will continue this. So speaking of technology, uh, we found ourselves with quite a bit of ch extra chargers and iPads and things that needed to be updated. And uh, I had, you know, iPad one, I guess, iPad, uh, what phone, I don't know. But uh, so we partnered with uh, a local company called EcoCell, and we are collecting those chargers and iPhones and all those things that we found were outdated. We will be collecting them here um, at the Jones Gorilla Exhibit uh, until April 1, and we will be giving the, the proceeds of this recycling effort to the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund. Ms. Fossey actually did work here and had a close relationship with many members of our board uh, during her lifetime. Uh, as a reminder, we have four gorillas, one male, Three, three females and uh, just magnificent animals who are uh, severely threatened in the wild. Uh, it's that time of year again where we assess um, not only our numbers, but the health of our population. And just recently we completed our annual penguin checkup. Uh, we have 56 Magellanic penguins. We have one of the largest outdoor colony of Magellanic penguins. And we're only a handful of zoos who invest in these penguins from South America. Most zoos invest in uh, animals, uh, the penguins from Africa. Uh, the, the Magellanic penguin from generally Chile does not breed as frequently uh, and we find is, has more threats uh, in the wild uh, for, for various reasons. So that's where we have put our investments. Uh, because they have to compete with seagulls and, and the general wild out here, uh, we hand feed them, uh, which makes it easier for us to do these annual checkups, make sure that they're free of ticks, fleas, have their vaccinations. And we check their microchips. They're actually, these animals are microchipped in the, in the terrible case of if somebody actually steals one of these. 
And then lastly, uh, we too have year of the, I like to say the year of the tigress, but there's Leanne Roberts. Um, uh, she's, uh, this is our Leanne named after um, the now late Leanne Roberts of the Roberts family, uh, Savannah. Um, we have been having daily ambassador talks, uh, talking about the endangered status of the tiger. This is the Sumatran tiger, one of the most endangered in the world. Uh, and with that, I finished my report, finished the WebEx. Thank you. Okay, if there's anyone on the call who would like to comment on item seven, the San Francisco Zoo report, you can dial star three to be added to the queue. Maria, does anyone have their hand raised? We have no callers in the queue. Okay, seeing no callers, public comment is closed. Commissioners, did you want to have a discussion? Any comments or questions? This is a discussion only item. Yes, I have a question. I was interested in the diversity report uh, and I wanted to ask specifically, what is the zoo doing to try and hire more African-American employees? Yeah, we've started a, uh, thank you for the question. Um, and uh, as way of background, uh, the zoo uh, profession has been largely male and Caucasian traditionally. Uh, so with that background, we have uh, invested in outreach to the black community. And the one good thing we could do during the pandemic is we started a 10 for 10 program. Uh, we have 10 uh, high school and college students uh, who come to the zoo for 10 weeks and they shadow and participate uh, in the various departments from finance, HR, agriculture to zoology, vet hospital and animal research. Um, these are programs with Gateway, some of the charter schools, uh, the community colleges, the, we allow the schools to choose the students, but they have all been at this point uh, black. And then three of them have become our camp instructors, two uh, now our interns and our vet hospitals. So we're finding that uh, I think we need to provide them more skills earlier and, and provide excitement around the zoo and this profession. Uh, we also have invested quite a bit in our marketing outreach uh, on radio, podcasts. Uh, younger folks tend to, I guess, listen to podcasts these days. And so a lot of our uh, outreach has been on the podcast markets that uh, the expert tell us reach the, the Black community. Okay. Thank you. Thank any you. Other, any other questions or comments? Seeing none, Tanya, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay, thank you, Tanya. We are now on item nine. Before I read it off, um, Maria, if you could please give um, the privileges to Melinda Sullivan, Marion Koss, and Kara Rupert. It's Melinda Sullivan, Marion Koss, and Kara Rupert. Um, we are on item nine, Merced Heights Playground, Lower Lawn Terrace Renovation, Award of Contract. Good morning, Commissioners, Commissioner Liaison and General Manager, Melinda Sullivan, Project Manager, Rec and Park, Depart Cap Rec and Park Department, Capital and Planning Division. I'm pleased to, very pleased to report, uh, to present to you today, discussion and possible action to award a construction contract for the Merced Heights Playground, Lower Lawn Terrace Renovation Project to Casadoro Construction Incorporated in the amount of up to $747,700 to cover the base bid 
and possible adult exercise equipment, which is listed as bid alternate number one. This project and this item meet our strategic plan goals of inspiring public space and inspiring play, and particularly among senior citizens and families uh, to round out the programming activities at the site, as well as dogs, as we'll be having a small dog play area as part of this project. Uh, Merced Heights Playground is located in the Ocean View Merced Heights Ingleside or OMI neighborhood. It's in Supervisorial District 11 between Bixby and Monticello Streets. And the overall park is just over an acre in size, um, but as you're probably familiar, it has three distinct terraces. And so this scope of this project is only on the lower terrace and the adjacent sidewalk to provide accessibility, path of travel, and that site is approximately 17,000 square feet or just over a third of an acre for our limit of work. Uh, renovation of much of the rest of the site was completed as part of our Let's Play SF initiative, uh, which included a major overhaul of the playground, as well as much needed work to the courts and accessibility upgrades to the clubhouse restroom. The lowest lawn terrace is currently an underutilized multi-purpose field it has been used informally for neighbors to run their dogs and run around, uh, but it has been gated from the outside uh, for some time now. In the spring of 2019, members of the community approached Rec and Park staff to request that this lowest terrace be renovated and requested some amenities that would particularly serve senior citizens, again, as youngsters and uh, us middle-aged folks had other opportunities with the courts and the playgrounds uh, up higher in the playground. Rec and, Rec and Park staff worked with landscape architects from Public Works to develop two design alternatives for this lowest terrace. Uh, these designs were presented at a community meeting back in November 2020 at the Ocean View Public Library. There was supposed to be a second meeting in February 2021, uh, but COVID pushed us back. And then our previous project manager, Paulina Arika, retired and I came on. Uh, we were able to pick up and have an online community meeting as well as an online survey uh, which was really well, had a lot of participation and a clear front runner for a design that thoughtfully has uh, a nice entry plaza, a small dog play area, and then a, a large natural grass lawn with a path that goes around it. It's got two picnic tables, lots of benches, and some beautiful planting. And we did get a reasonable price for the additive alternate, which is three pieces of adult exercise equipment. Uh, we also asked for community input via an online survey for the exercise equipment, and that's been reviewed with our structural maintenance yard. Um, we do have a couple months to confirm whether we will include that. So we would like to just start construction and make sure there are no other unforeseen circumstances or site conditions that would bump up our change order costs. And then uh, we are hopeful that we will likely be able to include that exercise equipment. Uh, the Recreation Park Department advertised the, the bid for the project on December 22nd. Bids were opened on January 25th, and we had 10 bids, which was really exciting. Uh, the lowest apparent bidder was Cazadoro Construction Incorporated with a bid of $722,700 for the base bid and $25,000 for additive alternate one, which, as I mentioned, would cover the installation and procurement, not in that order, of adult exercise equipment. The Contract Monitoring Division has confirmed that Cazadoro Construction Incorporated is compliant with our contracting requirements. Uh, we also included 
qualification requirements for a general contractor and certain subcontractors, and those have all been vetted and confirmed. Cazadoro Construction Incorporated has worked with Reckon Park on several projects recently successfully, including uh, the McLaren Park Group Picnic Area, or now called a Redwood Grove Playground, Turkhide Mini Park, which was another Let's Play SF project, uh, recent lighting upgrades at Victoria Manala Draves, Jury Commons, and other parks. Funding for this project comes primarily from a California State Department of Parks and Recreation local assistance grant in the amount of just over 1.3 million. We also have general fund and we'll be using a small amount of 2020 bond forestry program to do some tree work. The project is supported by uh, community meeting attendees and I wanna call out a few people who have been just marvelous to work with. Um, uh, Ms. Wilma Gardner and Mrs. Dorothy Strickland are neighbors across the street. Uh, they will be our eyes on the park as their living rooms look immediately into the park. Uh, and they have been volunteering their time for decades at the park, decades. And they have a rich background and experience. And they have been so patient. Uh, and they have been, you know, don't have access to email, but uh, we've sent things back and forth via mail and have phone calls regularly. And I just really want to appreciate their their work in getting the word out to the larger neighborhood. And Mr. Bernard Monroe, the executive director of the Youth First program uh, in our clubhouse has also been supportive and has been giving perspective on the use of that space and how, how our project could serve uh, that group as well. Um, Supervisor Asha Safai has been involved and supportive and State Assembly member Phil Ting from the 19th District has also been supportive and was instrumental in helping us to get the funding to make the project work. Upon approval today, uh, we anticipate starting construction in late March or in early April, and the construction duration is six months, so should we be on track to open the park hopefully by the end of the year. Um, with that, I'll conclude and be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Melinda. All right, uh, if there's anyone on, sorry, I'm gonna take public comment. Please do. If there's anyone on the line who would like to comment on item number nine, Merced Heights, you can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Maria, is there anyone with their hand raised? Yes, we have one caller in the queue. Okay, caller, you'll have two minutes to speak and I will let you know when your time is up. Thank you. Good morning, General Manager Ginsburg and Commissioners. This is Wilma Gardner, founder of the Shield Street 800 Block Club and an advocate for the Merced Heights Playground for almost 29 years. Mm. I commend Ms. Melinda Sullivan for her sensitive and capable handling of the planning process for the playground's lower lawn terrace renovation. I wholeheartedly support the plan, and I'm excited to see from my window an early groundbreaking and a timely completion of this project. Thank you. Thank you very much. If there's anyone else on the line, you can dial star three to be added to the queue. Maria, does anyone else have their hand raised? We have no more callers in the queue. Okay. Seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. Thank you. Commissioners, comments, questions? Commissioner Mazzola. Thank you. Um, thank you, Melinda, for the report. Um, just one question. Uh, in the past, 
I've looked through my packet last night and I did not see it. Maybe I missed it, but in the past, you guys have listed the subcontractors on there. Um, you have a list of the subcontractors for this project? Um, you, you are correct, Commissioner Mazzola. I did not include it in the packet, um, but I can pull that up now or I can provide it to the liaison. Would you like me to uh, review that with you? Uh, you could you could just provide it after, that's fine. Okay, terrific, yeah, I will do. I know on the level concrete, uh, there are a couple different uh, fencing subs. Robertson Industries will be doing the synthetic turf. Um, Catmax Maintenance will be doing the landscape. I think those are most of them, but I can provide it to Ashley to distribute to you. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Um, I have a comment. I want to thank you, Melinda, for the very detailed uh, explanation. It sounds like a beautiful project. And thank you, uh, Wilmer, for calling in. Um, so I'm very excited uh, for the adults uh, and the community, but I'm very excited, most excited for the dogs. <laughs> and, uh, so they have an off-leash dog playing area. I mean, life doesn't get better for dogs. <laughs> thank you, Commissioner Louie. Any other comments or questions? Seeing none, the chair would entertain a motion to approve this item. So moved. It's been moved. Is there a second? Second. It's been moved and seconded. Would the, would the secretary please call the roll? Commissioner Buell? Aye. Commissioner Anderson? Aye. Commissioner Griffin? Aye. Commissioner Halsey? Aye. Commissioner <clears throat> Jupiter Jones? Aye. Commissioner Louie? Aye. Commissioner Mazzola? Aye. All right, that is unanimous. Thanks, Melinda. Thank you very much. All right. So we are now on item 11, 921 O'Farrell Street, Shadow on John Macaulay Park. For this item, oh no, I'm sorry, we're on item 10, yes. Ocean Avenue, Shadow on Balboa Park. For this item, Maria, can you please give Chris Towns the um, ability to share his screen and then also um, promote Gabriella Pantoja and Yael Golan? Thank you, Commission Secretary. Just give me a moment to get set up here to share screen. Is everyone able to see my slide on the screen yes. now? Thank okay, you. great. Yes. Great. Uh, thank you, Commission Secretary, and good, mor uh, good morning, Commissioners. My name is Chris Towns. I'm a planner with the Recreation and Park Department, Capital and Planning Division, uh, and I'm joined today by um, Gabriela Pantoja from the Planning Department. She is the project planner for, uh, for the project. Uh, my presentation will provide an overview of the shadow effects from the proposed 350 Ocean Avenue project upon Balboa Park. Uh, review of the shadow cast by this project supports objective 1.2 of the strategic plan to quote, strengthen the quality of existing parks and facilities. Um, for shared policy and code context, um, Prop K, the sunlight ordinance, aimed at protecting park properties from the negative shadow impacts of new buildings was approved by voters in 1984, which subsequently led to the adoption of Planning Code Section 295 in 1985, um, which prohibits the city from issuing building permits for structures greater than 40 feet in height um, that would cast a shadow upon a property under the jurisdiction of Reckon Park. 
unless the Planning Commission, after consultation with the Rec and Park Commission, finds that the shadow would not have a significant adverse impact on the use of the park property. Um, in 1989, the Rec and Park Commission and the Planning Commission jointly adopted what's commonly referred to as the 1989 memo, uh, which identifies quanti quantitative as well as qualitative criteria for determinations of significant shadows, uh, which I'll cover in more detail in the presentation. Um, however, at this time, I'd like to pass it to uh, Gabriella from the Planning Department, who's gonna provide a brief overview of the project description uh, the community outreach conducted, and the public goods served by the project. Gabriella, are you there? Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Uh, good morning, Commissioners. Uh, Gabriella Pantoja of the Planning Department staff. Um, the project before you is a project that will be demolishing two one-story commercial buildings and constructing a five-story of a basement, 55-foot, six-inches, 35-dwelling unit residential building. That will include 15 off-street parking spaces, 36 class one bicycle parking spaces, two class two bicycle parking spaces, and approximately 4,500 square feet of usable open space. Uh, the project is utilizing the individually requested state density bonus project to achieve a density bonus that maximizes the property's residential density. The project will provide 18% or six below market rate dwelling units at the property. Of the six below market rate dwelling units, four will be dedicated to very low income households, so 50% uh, AMI. Uh, one will be uh, allocated to low income and one to moderate income. The public benefits include the construction of six on-site affordable housing dwelling units and the creation of 29 additional units to the city's housing stock. Uh, street improvements are also proposed within the adjacent public right-of-way and activation of the street frontage within an existing commercial corridor. The project is subject to the environmental review under the California Quality Act, CEQA, uh, and a community plan exemption has been issued for the project. To date, the planning department has not received any correspondence regarding the project. Uh, the project managers have conducted a number of neighborhood meetings, including two pre-application meetings, uh, one in April 25 of 2016, and most recently in November 18 of 2020. Additionally, the project sponsors have met with the Mission Terrace Improvement Club, our association, and the Board of Supervisor Office to redefine the design of the project. In closing, the planning department is in support of the project for the following reasons. The project is on balance and consistent with the objectives and policies of the general plan and meets the applicable requirements of the planning code. Uh, the project will maximize the use of a currently underutilized lot and construct a new residential building within close proximity to public transportation, public usable open spaces, commercial corridors, and jobs. And the project will increase the city's housing stock by providing a total of 35 new dwelling units, six of which will be designated as on-site rental affordable dwelling units. Uh, and this concludes the uh, planning portion of the presentation. I'll send it back to Chris. Thanks. Thank you, Gabriella. Uh, so with regard to the project site and the vicinity, um, for orientation purposes, the image at the far left is a plan view of where the project site, indicated with the red star, is located in relation to the shadowed park, Balboa Park, outlined in blue. Um, the project site is located approximately 210 feet east of the southeastern edge 
of Balboa Park. Uh, the street views provide a visual of the existing project site along its Ocean Avenue frontage, including a view looking west along Ocean Avenue towards Balboa Park and a view looking east along Ocean Avenue. Um, surrounding buildings include a variety of residential and commercial and mixed use buildings, ranging in height from typically one to three stories. Uh, there's also a gas station at the corner of Ocean Avenue and San Jose Avenue and a church use uh, with adjacent surface parking directly across the street, occupying the entire block um, just across the street from the project site. Um, the existing project site is currently occupied, as Gabby mentioned, uh, by two vacant commercial buildings. Um, Balboa Park itself is, is an existing 25.8 acre park located in the Outer Mission neighborhood, uh, bounded by Havelock Street to the north, um, Ocean Avenue to the south, the I-280 freeway to the west, and San Jose Avenue to the east. Um, in plan, the park is essentially composed of two halves, including a northern half and a southern half, um, separated by Sergeant John V. Young Street um, that bisects the park, essentially. Uh, the northern half consists of the swimming pool, uh, Balboa Pool, a soccer stadium, boxer stadium, four tennis courts, a children's playground, and public restrooms. Whereas the southern half uh, consists of the San Francisco PD's uh, Ingleside Police Station and a large grassy field containing four baseball diamonds and a skate park. Um, general park hours are 5 a.m. to midnight. Quantitatively, there is currently a 6.888% existing shadow load upon the, upon the park. Um, the proposed project would add a 0.018% shadow increase for a total of 6.905% shadow load on the park. Um, the diagram on the right is the project's full year shadow fan, um, depicting the project's shadow footprint in blue, uh, which touches the park's south, uh, southeastern edge or corner rather, um, near, the near the intersection of Ocean Avenue and San Jose Avenue. Um, qualitatively, in terms of time of year and time of day, um, project shadows occur year round, but only during the morning hours from uh, 7.01 a.m. to as late as 11.15 a.m. The average dur daily duration of shadows is approximately one hour and 49 minutes, uh, with an average size of uh, approximately 1.43% of the park area, about 16,071 square feet. Um, with regard to shadow location, new project shadows fall over the southeastern corner of the park, over the areas including um, a portion of the baseball diamond and the eastern portion of the skate park. Um, the image at the top left of this slide uh, provides the maximum net new shadow diagram. Um, as you can see, the maximum new project shadow shown in blue and circled in red occurs at the southeastern corner of the park, again, over the baseball diamond. Um, the date of maximum shadow occurs on December 20th at 8.20 a.m., in which the shadow would cover 1.43% of the park area. Um, the photos at the bottom right shows additional views of where the project's maximum new shadow falls over the park's uh, southeastern corner circled in red. But in closing, I just uh, want to highlight that the 1989 memo provides both quantitative as well as qualitative criteria for determining whether the project shadow upon the park property would have a significant adverse impact on the use of the park. 
Um, quantitatively, the memo establishes that for parks greater than two acres in size with less than or equal to 20% existing shading, as is the case here, um, the memo's guidance is for up to a 1% increase in shadow load. Um, again, for reference, this park experiences only 6.888% existing shadow, and the project would add 0.018% additional shadow for a total of 6.905%. Um, qualitatively, the criteria to also consider includes time of day of new shadow, time of year, shadow size, shadow duration, shadow location, and public good served by the project itself. Um, that concludes my presentation. Both Gabby and I are available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, do you want to get public comment, uh, Ashley, and then we'll go to questions of the commission? I'd love to do that. Thank you. If there's anyone on the line who would like to comment on item 10, you can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Maria, does anyone have their hand raised? There are no com uh, my, no callers in the queue. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, any comments or questions about this shadow? Don't see any. Um, I think that uh, the chair would recommend that uh, we have a motion uh, to recommend that there is no significant adverse impact on the use of uh, the Balboa Park. Uh, chair would entertain that motion. So moved. It's been moved. It's been seconded. Uh, would the secretary please call the roll? Commissioner Buell? Aye. Commissioner Anderson? Aye. Commissioner Griffin? Aye. Commissioner Griffin, we can see you now, by the way. Commissioner Hallisey? Oh. <laughs> what? There he disappeared. Oh, there he is again. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Aye. Commissioner Louie? Aye. Commissioner Mazzola? Aye. Okay, and now he's gone again. Um, <laughs> okay, it's unanimous. Thank you. Who's gone again? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Maria... Jeremy, I don't, hold on one second, everyone. Oh, okay, 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 Never mind. Sorry. Just everyone's getting used to this new platform. So thank you to those who are watching who are being so patient with us. Um, so we are now on item 11, 921 O'Farrell Street, Shadow on John McCauley Park. So for this one, Maria, um, Chris Towns will be presenting again. And then we also have Linda Hello Hoagland from Planning and Yael Golan. And we also have our project sponsor, Melinda Sarja Perkir, who may be available for questions if the commissioners have them at some point. Uh, can you repeat the name of the person you want me to make a presenter again, please? Uh, Chris Towns is the one who's going to share screen. Chris Towns. And then do you want me to list off the other three people? I, I already transferred them as panelists. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Chris has the presenter role. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you both. Um, again, Chris Towns with the Recreation and Park Department of the Capital Planning Division. Um, I'm joined now by Linda Ayello Hoagland from the Planning Department, uh, the project planner for this uh, project before you today. 
Um, my, pre my presentation, again, will provide you with a summary of the shadow effects from, in this case, the proposed project at 921 O'Farrell Street. Um, it's shadow upon Sergeant John McCauley Park. Again, review of the shadow cast by this project supports objective 1.2 of the strategic, uh, strategic plan uh, to strengthen the quality of existing parks and facilities. And I know we just went over this, but for any new attendees, I wanna just provide again, shared policy and code context um, to describe that, you know, the uh, Prop K, the sunlight ordinance uh, aimed at protecting prop park properties from the negative shadow impacts of new development. Uh, was approved by voters in 1984, uh, which subsequently led to the adoption of Planning Code Section 295, <clears throat> uh, which prohibits the city from issuing building permits uh, for structures greater than 40 feet in height that would cast a shadow upon a park property under the jurisdiction of Reckon Park, unless the Planning Commission, after consultation with the Reckon Park Commission, finds that the shadow would not have a significant adverse impact upon the use of the park property. Um, in 1989, the Rec and Park Commission and Planning Commission jointly adopted the 1989 memo, uh, which identified quantitative and qualitative criteria for determinations of significant shadows. Um, um, at this time, I'll pass it to Linda to provide you with a summary of the project's uh, scope of work, um, community outreach conducted, and the public good served by the project. Linda, are you there? Yes, thank you, Chris. Good morning, Commissioners, Linda Agello hoagland Planning Department staff. The project before you includes the demolition of an approximately 4,500 square foot, two-story commercial building, and the new construction of a 63,479 gross square foot, 14-story over basement mixed-use building. The project will include 50 residential dwelling units with approximately 801 square feet of ground floor retail space, approximately 2,666 square feet of open space through a combination of, pub, of private decks and a common roof deck, 50 class one and two class two bicycle spaces and no off-street vehicle parking. The project is utilizing the Home SF program, which automatically awards development bonuses such as form-based density and additional height and allow projects project sponsors to spe seek specific zoning modifications in exchange for a higher rate of on-site affordable units. The project is providing 25% of the units as on-site affordable units with 10% of the dwelling units at 50% AMI, 8% at 80% AMI, and 7% at 110 AMI to qualify as a tier two project which allows the project to construct up to one additional floor above the base height. The public benefits of this project include the creation of 13 on-site affordable housing units available to very low, low and moderate income households. It'll provide approximately 800 square feet of rail floor retail commercial, activating the street frontages along O'Farrell and Olive Streets, supporting both future tenants and as well as the neighborhood. It'll redevelop an underutilized site to provide 50 new dwelling units to the city's housing stock. It'll provide an additional 26 units over the base density through the use of the Home SF program. To date, the department has received two letters in support of the project and none in opposition. According to the project sponsor, community engagement has been conducted for the project, including a community meeting with the Lower Polk neighborhood 
on May 1st, 2018, a pre-application meeting on October 6th, 2020, a presentation to the San Francisco Housing Action Coalition Design Review Committee on January 26, 2022. In regards to CEQA, the categorical exemption was published on February 8th, 2022. The project is on balance consistent with the Van Ness Special Use District, Van Ness Area Plan, and the objectives and policies of the general plan. The project is an infill project in a transit-rich area in close proximity to parks, neighborhood services that would provide 50 dwelling units, including 13 market rate below rate units, helping alleviate San Francisco's severe housing crisis. This concludes my part of the presentation, and I would now like to hand it back over to Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Appreciate it. Um, so for orientation purposes for the project site and its vicinity, um, the images on the far left provide a plan view of the project site located at 921 O'Farrell Street um, between Van Ness Avenue and Polk Street, uh, showing its spatial relationship to the shadowed park, um, Sergeant John McCauley Park. Uh, the project site is outlined in green and Sergeant John McCauley Park is outlined in blue. Um, as you can see, the project site is located approximately one block west of Sergeant John McCauley Park. Um, the site photos depict the project site with the red arrow in relation to the neighborhood context. Um, surrounding buildings uh, include a variety of uses, including commercial, entertainment, uh, and residential, ranging from one to 12 stories. The AMC Van Ness uh, 14 Theater is located across O'Farrell Street, just northwest of the project site. Um, the project site is currently occupied by a two-story commercial building. Um, Sergeant John McCauley Park is an existing uh, 8,880 square foot neighborhood park located within the downtown Civic Center Tenderloin neighborhood at the northwest corner of O'Farrell Street in Larkin. Um, the park reopened in October 2020 after having undergone about a $2.9 million re uh, renovation um, whose improvements included a new children's play area, climbing structures, new landscaping, seating, ADA accessibility. Um, a landscape buffer with uh, trees are evenly spaced around the perimeter, as you can see in the plan, um, and a six-foot-tall uh, wrought iron fence encloses the park at the sidewalk edge. Um, the main park entrance is located along Larkin Street through Metal Gates, um, as you can see in the photos. Um, park hours are 5 a.m. to midnight. Quantitatively, there is currently a 42.11% existing shadow load upon the park. The project would add a 0.06% shadow increase uh, for a total of 42.16% shadow load. Um, the diagram on the right is the project's full-year shadow fan, depicting the project's footprint in blue um, upon the surrounding neighborhood. Um, qualitatively, in terms of time of year and time of day, project shadows occur between September 27th and October 25th in the fall, and also February 15th through March 15th, uh, late winter to early spring, uh, for a total of 59, uh, 59 days a year. New shadows occur in the afternoons between 4.15 p.m., uh, I'm sorry, beginning at 4.15 p.m. and ending by 5.56 p.m. Um, the average daily duration of shadows is approximately 29 minutes with an average size of 960 square feet. 
uh, approximately 10.6% of the park area. Uh, with regard to shadow location, uh, new shadows fall upon the southeastern corner uh, edge of the uh, south southeastern edge of the park over bench seating, uh, perimeter landscaping, and the park fence. Um, not the more active playground space towards the center of the park. Um, the image at the top left again is the maximum net new shadow diagram. Um, as you can see, the max net new project shadow shown in blue occurs at the southeastern corner along the southern edge of the park, covering again the same areas referenced, uh, the bench seating, perimeter landscaping, and park fence. Um, the date of maximum shading occurs on October 18th from, uh, and February 22nd at 5.15 p.m., um, in which the shadow would cover 10.6% of the park area, um, or 960 square feet. Um, the lower images provide a closer up street view of where the max net new shadow occurs. In closing, uh, I just again want to highlight that the 1989 memo provides both quantitative and qualitative criteria for determinations of significant shadows. Um, quantitatively, the memo establishes that for parks less than two acres in size with more than or equal to 20% existing shading, as is the case here, um, the memo's guidance is actually for no shadow increase. Um, again, for reference, the park would experience 42.11% shadow load, um, and the or currently experiences 42.11% shadow load, and the project would add 0.06% uh, for a total of 42.16% shadow load. Um, however, qualitatively, other criteria to also consider includes time of day of new shadow, time of year, shadow size, shadow duration, shadow location, and public benefits served by the project, as previously described by Linda. Um, that concludes my presentation, and we're both available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you. All right, if there's anyone on the line who would like to comment on item 11, 921 O'Farrell Street, you can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Maria, do we have anyone with their hand raised? We have no callers in queue. Okay. Seeing no callers, public comment is closed. Commissioners. Commissioners, any comments or questions? I don't see any. Um, I think given that this is a 0 0.06 impact of new shadow on a 42% existing shadow, that the chair would entertain a motion uh, that the proposed project at 921 O'Farrell will not have significant adverse impact on Sergeant John McCauley Park. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Been moved and seconded. Would the secretary please call the roll? Commissioner Buell? Aye. Commissioner Anderson? Aye. Commissioner Griffin? Aye. Commissioner Halsey? Aye. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Aye. Commissioner Louie? Aye. Commissioner Mazzola? Aye. All right, it's unanimous. Thank you very much. And thank you, Chris, for the presentations. Thank you, Chris. Very welcome. Thank you very much. So for item 12, Maria, if you could provide Marion Cost the ability to um, present, share her screen, and then also give presenter privileges to Kara Rupert.
Can you guys hear me? Yes. Great. Look at you, It's all good. Okay. Good morning. Oops. Excuse me for a minute. Let me just get set up here. Okay. Um, good morning, commissioners, general manager, commissioner. commissioner good morning. <laughs> My name is Mary Koss, and I'm a project manager with the capital division. Here to present discussion and possible action to authorize the staff to approve contract termination with Empire Landscaping Incorporated. The contract number is 10002479, and this is for the Fillmore Turk Mini Park renovation. It's a rebid. Um, the project meets three of our, of our strategic plan goals. One, strategy number one, to inspire public space. Objective number 1.2, strengthen the quality of our existing parks and facilities. Strategy two, to inspire play. Objective 2.2, strengthen and promote the safety, health, and well-being of our San Francisco youth and seniors. And strategy number three, um, which is to cultivate and increase philanthropic support. Uh, okay, a little bit of background. Uh, the site is located in the Western Edition, District 5. It's on Fillmore Street, Person Turk. <laughs> um, it's 10,000 square foot park and surrounded on three sides by on one side the historic Muni substation, which is a landmark brick building, the back some housing, and on the other side, uh, parking for McDonald's you know, restaurant. The existing amenities include a central lawn area, uh, an 800 square foot stage, bench seating, game tables, and the current site challenges are drainage, accessibility, which this renovation would be addressing. The project scope is really to repair the drainage, uh, regrade, provide access to the stage, install new planter seating, new lawn, new trees, and understory. You've seen this a few times because we first came here when our uh, key community stakeholders and very active supporter of the project, uh, the New Community Leadership Foundation and our nonprofit partner, SF Beautiful, was awarded the project. And then um, for the approval of the concept design, and then for the approval and acceptance of the in-kind professional landscape architectural services by TS Studio. So getting to the meat of this, right? In December 2020, the project was bid advertised as an informal bid under the Micro uh, Local Business Enterprise Program, but it was not awarded because all of the bids it received at the time was above the project estimate. Then in May 1920, uh, 2020, excuse me, May 2021, the project was rebid again under the Micro LBE program. And in June, seven bids were received. That was so exciting and Empire Landscape Incorporated, uh, the lowest responsible and responsive bidder was um, uh, identified. And in September, he signed the construction contract agreement for five, uh, five, $575,000. Um, it was a base bid and no alternates. Um, the beginning of this year, we issued notice to proceed. That was on the 3rd of January. And active construction was scheduled to begin in February 7th. But just three business days before, we received a letter from Empire Construction Incorporated requesting to be relieved from the contract. Um, he had a number of reasons. Uh, the gist of it was most of it was administrative. Since the contract uh, was, since he was identified as, a, as the lowest bidder, um, 
there was challenges with the certification and then, you know, the health and safety plan, the baseline schedule, all of these things that were needed. Um, the city was committed to helping and mentor through this process. Um, but later he had said that with material shortages and unprecedented price increases since the opening, he he has requested to um, to uh, terminate the contract. Now I know that there's two paths to terminate the contract. One is for cause or terminate for convenience. And we're requesting to terminate for convenience because this would be benefiting both of the parties. Um, unfortunately, the window to negotiate with the next lowest bidder, because you remember we got seven, seven bidders um, has expired. And if this, if this contract termination is approved, then we will rebid the project as soon as possible. So with that, the staff recommends and hopes that, this, that the commission authorizes um, us to approve the contract termination with Empire Landscaping Incorporated. And the contract number, I'll just repeat, is 10000023479. And that's for Fillmore Turk Mini Park Renovation. And with that, I'm concluding my presentation and I'm ready for questions. Thank you, Marion. Uh, maybe we'll get public comment first and then go to questions. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly um, take an inventory of commissioners because we just had like a big bandwidth issue and a bunch of people got booted off. So mm. four, five, six. I don't see Commissioner Halsey. Uh, Maria, can you upgrade Joe Halsey in the event that he is not a presenter? There he is. Okay, great. Um, Okay, apologies everyone. So if there's anyone on the line who'd like to comment on item 12, can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Maria, do we have anyone with their hands raised? There's no one in queue. Okay, seeing no callers, public comment closed. So any comments or questions from the commission? I have a question. Please. Why I have a question is in December, I went to this little diamond in the rough park. I was invited by a group of like people that congregate there and they, it's a beautiful little diamond that, you know, it's a 220 parks, you know, I always wondered where they hit all of them, you know, but I got to see this one. And so uh, being new, I, I don't understand you know why we have to like terminate somebody and do do so i may be offline some uh general manager ginsburg you can explain that to me but sure i, I it, when you present this 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 doesn't threaten that this no. project won't go through will it no it doesn't the project is definitely i i see marion shaking an affirmation but uh let me try to handle this marion if it's okay essentially the contractor that um sort of won the bid through a independent process that the city operates um, had to withdraw because the contractor couldn't meet the requirements or requested to withdraw. So we are allowing the contractor to withdraw and then we're going to rebid uh, and get back on it. Um, sometimes, as Marion noted, uh, depending upon the timing of the withdrawal, we could go to the next um, uh, the next lowest responsive bidder but there's a t there's a time window to do that, and that's expired under the city's contracting laws. Mm -hmm. So we just have to rebid, and it also gives us an opportunity to uh, 
hopefully uh, try to leverage some additional improvements out at uh, out at the site, which we're 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 working. Thank you, so, thank you so much. I mean, you know, anytime you had the word drainage problem inside any kind of description, you always kind of really you know really require you know a lot of expertise. So it's a really cute little park that a lot of people rely on right across from the Turk Street Police Station. The project started out as a drainage and irrigation project. It was a, in our community opportunity fund, I think from the 2012 bond, if if I remember correctly, Marion. Yes. Um, uh, and because it's so important and, and in such a good location, um, the community has lots of interest in in you know some other improvements as well. So we'll we'll you're gonna rescope the bid, put it out, and see who responds, and see what else we can squeeze out for the community in the next round. Okay, well, thanks for presenting. Thanks, Rec and Park. Thank you, Phil. Uh, any other questions or comments from commissioners? Yes. Please. Um, I was at the park in January, and um, I was very concerned about accessibility issues, specifically for the stage. Is that a part of the plan in this renovation? Uh, yes, Commissioner Griffin, it is a part of this plan for the renovation. And actually part of the, the entire renovation is regrading the property so that we can take care of the drainage, but accessibility to all of these areas is part of that as well, including the stage. Great. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Not seeing them, but yeah. sure. President Yes, go ahead. Sorry, Larry. Thank you. Um, I just had a question. I was reading the packet last night. Was this job originally given out without a bid? Um, no, the, the project was bid first. Uh, and then we didn't, you know, all of the bids that were received in December of 2020 were too high. So we rebid the project again with Public Works. And the project was then awarded and um, the contract was signed in September of 2021. Um, we didn't bring it to the commission for award of contract because it was an informal bid and therefore it was under the threshold. So what we needed to have was all of the signatures in place. Can you, can you explain more what the informal bid process is and means? Yeah, there's, there's two and, and I may not have all of the terminology, but there's essentially a few ways in which we can bid a project. And if a project is exceeds, I think the threshold right now is a $702,000 or $706,000. It actually has to go through a different type of process, which um, requires much more paperwork and much more, you know, anything beyond that uh, up to $20 million, $50 million, whatever that may be. But any of the, of the bid, pro the projects that are bid under that amount, um, can go to a, through the micro LBE program, which is what we definitely went towards. And there's less sort of paperwork for the contractor, administrative work for the contractor. And I can probably get more information for you if you want more detailed information than that, just very quick overview. No, that's okay. They, Thank you for the answer. Yeah, and so part of that is the award process, right? Because we have Rec and Park Commission, we have to come through the commission for certain, you know, approvals. And in this case, in order to terminate, we have to come through, um, you know, to seek your approval first before we can start the process, 
whereas the informal bid um, uh, award does not necessarily require that. Thank you, Marion. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? I don't see any, so the chair would entertain a motion to authorize the termination of this contract. I move that we authorize the termination of the contract. Is there a second? It's been moved and seconded. All, uh, would the secretary please call the roll? Commissioner Buell. Aye. Commissioner Anderson. Aye. Commissioner Griffin. Aye. Commissioner Halsey. Aye. Commissioner Jupiter Jones. Aye. Commissioner Louie. Aye. Commissioner Mazzola. Aye. It's unanimous. Thank you very much. And thank you, Marion, for the presentation. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right, Maria, from here on out, I don't think I need you to upgrade anyone. Um, we are now on item 13, general public comment. At this time, members of the public who were not able to address the commission on item five may address the commission on items that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Recreation and Park Commission and that do not appear on the agenda. If you'd like to make a comment for general public comment, you can dial star three to be added to the queue. Maria, does anyone have their hand raised? We have no callers in the queue. Okay, seeing no callers, public comment is closed. We are now on item 14, commissioners matters. I believe I we like have at least one commissioner that's gonna talk. Commissioner Griffin, did you wanna say something? Yes, I did. I wanted to express an equity moment. Um, I wanted to speak about a former Rec and Park commissioner somebody who was a friend of mine. His name was Larry Martin. And mm. uh, Larry was born on March 26, 1939 in Pine Bluff, Pine Bluff Arkansas. Um, as a young man growing up in Arkansas, he acquired his early civil rights training from his grandfather and his uncles. His family moved to California in 1958. Um, Larry went and was uh, awarded an associate degree in labor and urban studies at Merritt College in Oakland. He then served his country in the Army and later began his career in city government in 1966, proudly serving as a muni bus driver. Larry leaves behind a legacy of civil rights and union advocacy for the citizens of San Francisco. He was a vocal advocate for communities who historically experienced discrimination, including women, people of color, and the LGBT community. He was also well respected. He was a well-respected labor leader, serving as the international vice president of the Transport Workers Union of America. Um, Larry was all, before he went to the international served as the president of local 250A here in San Francisco, the Muni Drivers Union. And I remember in 1976, I was recruited along with a couple of friends and we hit every bus we could find in the city with pamphlets to get Larry elected. So I kind of helped him off there in the, in the beginning. <clears throat> he also served on several city commissions, human rights, the Planning Commission and his final commission was ours, Rec and Park. Um, additionally, he served on the Labor Advisory Boards of the University of California Labor Institute, San Francisco State University, 
Community College District of San Francisco. He was also a co-founder along with my father uh, in bringing the A. Philip Randolph Institute from the East Coast out to San Francisco. Uh, Larry also was a proud member of the NAACP, San Francisco Labor Council, Coalition of Black Trade Unionists, and the Coalition of Labor Union Women, Asian Pacific American Labor Alliance, and Pride at Work. Uh, Larry uh, left us, unfortunately, on October 16th, 2017. He leaves behind two daughters, Iris Martin Lopez of Daly City, and Karen Thompson of Fairfield. Um, I just wanted to have a couple of memories about Larry today. So thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. And as I can say, I think I'm the only one now on the commission that was on the commission with Commissioner Martin. And uh, so I considered him a friend over the years and uh, he did serve the city well. So. Commissioner Griffin, thank you very much for that tribute to him. Any comments, questions? President Buell, um, I have a, just, a, yes. just a comment. Um, I just, while this is fresh in my mind, I just wanted, this weekend I had the opportunity to spend some time out at the Great Highway. And um, while it's fresh in my mind, I just wanted to share my experience. As we know that this has been a hot topic and we're not done with it yet. Um, so it's, you know, important for us to go and experience these things um, personally so that when we make these decisions, you know, they're based in, in fact and truth. So my daughter, my youngest daughter and I and our new dog went and spent a bunch of hours out there on um, Saturday on one of those rare, sunny, almost summer-like days we've been having. Um, and it, it was a beautiful day. And something that really struck me was how many friends and family and colleagues I saw kind of riding their bikes or walking around, walking down the highway. Um, that And these are folks, you know, we, we came there from the mission and um, all these folks that we saw down there were coming from other neighborhoods and experiencing, um, you know, the, the closure, being able to use this, this space. My, you know, my daughter, I felt safe enough to let her ride her bike up and down ahead of me. Um, cause there was enough open space that, you know, didn't feel super crowded. Um, it really is a joyful place, um, on the weekend. Um, I did get to meet Molly, who is the business owner of the coffee cart truck, um, who has been on the great highway and is now having, uh, having to move after the beginning of the pilot program. It, while we were standing there, we came to see her at, um, right after she had closed at three 30 and while we were standing there speaking to her for 15 minutes, I kid you not, at least 30 people walked up to the truck and excited about getting a cup of coffee or a donut. And, you know, she, unfortunately she was closed. We had to break the news, but the feeling, the vibe that I got around the people that were using this, this space was unbelievably positive and unbelievably grateful for that space. Um, and I know that I was grateful for the opportunity to have that space for my family and I to enjoy um, a beautiful Saturday. So just wanted to share my own my own thoughts. Thank you. Thank, thank you for sharing that, Commissioner. Uh, any other comments or questions? Uh, yes, President Buell. Uh, I would like to uh, share a few thoughts. If you remember last year, President Buell and 
General Manager Ginsburg, you remember that we all attended the reopening of the Golden Gate Heights Playground. Right. And at that event, uh, we discussed our dogs, uh, how dog friendly the department is and how dogs are members of our families. Well, two weeks ago, unfortunately, Commissioner Louie lost a member of her family when her beloved uh, Brussels Griffon Mumu passed away at the age of 15. Uh, Mumu touched the lives of so many. Uh, schools and adults throughout the community have been blessed to have her visit. Uh, she was a graduate of the SPCA therapy dog program and Mumu visited patients in hospitals for six years. They were all given the gift of her presence. The ICU ward at Kaiser Hospital in San Francisco where normally dogs are not allowed would ask her to come and visit patients in hopes her visits would calm them down. She would always sit or lay quietly for as long as the patients needed. She was an invited guest at many Rotary Club meetings so she could share her humanitarian service life. She gained recognition status when she was written up in the International Rotary Magazine that has 1.3 million subscribers. For the past 10 years, she had the Let's Read with Mumu program, where she and Commissioner Louie would visit either in person, uh, but of course for the last two years due to COVID, virtually to read and talk to kids ages two through four years old. She would sit or lay quietly no matter how long it took. The children all live in SROs in Chinatown. Though Mumu is a dog, she functioned as a teacher. The community will miss Mumu and in memory of her service, over $20,000 has been donated as of February 2nd to fund a sustainable clean water project in the Philippines, which will be installed in Manila next month. Her sweet loving spirit will live on we want to thank Mumu for being a model of living in the moment with an unconditional love for those around her. Now, if you remember, Mumu attended the swearing-in ceremony of Commissioners Louie and Griffin at Lincoln Park. And Commissioner Louie, very sorry for your loss. Uh, Mumu leaves quite a legacy. Thank Marisa, you. If you would give me the ability to share my screen, I think Commissioner Louie wanted me to share a photo of uh, what Commissioner Halsey was just talking about. And then Commissioner Louie, when I have the picture up, if you want to say a couple of words. Ashley, you know that I can't share a screen today. So could you send me a copy of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Look at I'll let you know when I'm able to share. Commissioner Anderson. Oh. Control shifty. Oh, shifty. Um, Maria, do I have the ability to share yet? Let me transfer that to you right now. Benita, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you, Larry. So I, I'll just go go ahead and say a little something before I lose it. So, um. 
I want to thank you, Commissioner Halsey. Um, and I want to thank you, Ashley. As you know, you know, many of us on the commission have dogs and we love our dogs. And um, Mayor Breed herself said it at the swearing in, you know, I'm a dog person. And I don't know if you guys know this, but there are seven to one dogs in San Francisco for every child. So seven dogs to every one child. So I I am very grateful to the Rec and Park and to you, General Manager Ginsburg, you know, for beautifying all these dog parks like we heard today um, about Merced Heights Playground. And um, I learned early on, you know, we have pets, they become part of our families, but this dog was just not my dog. She was everybody's dog, a very humanitarian giver, and we recognize this. So um, the dogs love their parks as much as we do. And I am um, just overwhelmed with the um, tribute and the donations, because as you know, we all need clean water. We need clean water to drink and to live and to know that a sustainable water project will be going into a very low income, not even low income. These children live near a, a dump and for a water filtration um, installation filter will we'll provide clean water to um, drinkable water to to our very needy um, very needy organizations. So, you know, the legacy and the humanitarian work continues even when our pets um, cross over that rainbow bridge. So thank you for the tribute today. And thank you, um, Phil, commissioners, and especially you, Ashley, and, and to you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other comments or questions? Don't see any, so I'm going to suggest that we move on to the next item, Ashley. I still have to call public comment. So is there any public comment on commissioners matters? You can dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Maria, does anyone have their hand raised? We have no callers in the queue. Okay, seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. We're now on item five, 15, sorry, new business agenda setting. Commissioners, do you have anything for this item? I don't see anybody raising their hand. So members of the public, if you'd like to comment on this item, you can dial star three. Maria, do we have anyone with their hand raised? We have no callers in the queue. Seeing no callers, public comment is closed. We're now on item 16, communications. Is there anyone on the call who has a comment for item 16? You can dial star three. Maria, does anyone have their hand raised? No callers in the queue. Okay, commissioners, did you have anything you wanted to discuss on item 16? Okay. Nope. We're now on item 17, adjournment. So I understand that there is a sentiment among some, and we've certainly heard uh, about uh, Vanita's beautiful, wonderful dog. So how about we have a motion to adjourn in honor of Moomoo? So moved. So moved. So moved. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Would the secretary please call the roll? Uh, Commissioner Buell. Aye. Commissioner Anderson. Aye. Commissioner Griffin. Yes. Commissioner Hallisey. Aye. Commissioner Jupiter Jones. Aye. 
Commissioner Louie. Aye. Commissioner Mazzola. Aye. All right, it is unanimous and we are now adjourned. Thank and you one and all. Next meeting Thank should you, be everybody. in person. Yes, see, see you at the next meeting. See you at the Go.